What's up and welcome back to Nostalgia Pod, your weekly look at what's going on in pop culture. My name is Pat Sheehan. I'm here with my co-host Dave Martinson. <sighs> Dave, some sad news today, man. A show that we really like, Mr. Robot, Sam Eshmael, showrunner, director, writer, confirmed that this upcoming season, which will be airing in uh, 2019, is going to be the last season of the show. What are your thoughts around this news and your just feelings around it as well? Yeah, I mean, as a big fan of Mr. Robot, through the highs and the lows, it's definitely disappointing on that end. On the other hand, I'm not super surprised, given that Sam Esmail was, you know, involved with uh, Homecoming, Julie Roberts' show, and Briar Patch, the Andy Greenwald pilot. You know, it just seemed like he was really expanding as a creator and a producer. So I'm not surprised to see that happen, considering he never like communicated like a super long-term vision of the show in, in, in general. So mm-hmm. it sucks as a fan just because, you know, I, I trust that if they kept the show going, it would continue to maintain its high quality. But, you know, all good things come to an end. Yeah, I'm, I'm super bummed about it just because it's probably my current favorite show on television. Um, I mean, obviously, Game of Thrones not on this year. That's up there, but... Mr. Robot just holds such a, pl- a special place because I feel like it's one of those like uh, as we we're just entering the the post peak TV era, like one of those surprises, one of those shows that kind of popped up and caught a lot of buzz and it, not not as many shows do that anymore. So it's just, uh, you know, we've seen Rami Malek break out. Um, obviously, we're going to be talking about him a little bit later uh, when we talk about Papillon, but Overall, just bummed, but excited to see what Sam Eshmael does after Mr. Robot. I, I'm buying his season pass, so we'll we'll be talking about those two shows that you mentioned and probably whatever else he does moving forward, so stay tuned. And if you want to hear that content, hit that subscribe button below. Go to soundcloud.com slash nostalgiapod. We stay plugging and hit us up on Twitter at nostalgiapod. Let's catch up on all the news that we don't talk about on the podcast. We're going to jump into some music here. This is a album i did not expect us to be talking about but i'm actually really glad we are blood orange's negro swan what a really pleasant surprise this album was what was your initial reaction to hearing it uh yeah i thought it sounded great and has really uh great lyrics that are both accessible and uh pretty poignant and matter of fact you know the times right now so yeah i thought it was it was really awesome yeah, it, it was so eclectic. And, you know, Devin Hines, this is his fourth album as Blood Orange. He's uh, He's been around since the early 2000s. 2004, he broke out with a band called uh, Test Icicles. And then from there, he's been um, doing a lot of producing, writing for other people, and obviously working, uh, you know, releasing albums under Blood Orange. But he's a really uh, interesting sound and, and musician because he's very eclectic. There's a lot of a lot of R&B and like chill wave rock in here. Um, but then also like influences of hip hop. There's, uh, you know, ASAP Rocky and, and play, uh, was it Pretty Pat or Plain Pat? Project Pat. Project Pat. Mm-hmm. Uh, Plain Pat is Cuddy's old producer, right? Yeah, Plain Pat, what up? Yep. Um, so, man, I mean, why don't we dive into a couple of either of the songs or things that really stood out to you about this album? Um, any Any songs in particular that, you loved like uh yeah i thought one of the i think it was one of the lead singles I already had the video anyway uh charcoal baby yeah was really really good um that's where he mentions the titular negro swan and you kind of understand what that means and i thought that song really good video as well is uh 
you know, pretty powerful song, but it also sounds really good. You know, it's not like a greeting uh, listen or anything. So that stood out to me. And I thought Chewing Gum actually was really cool, too. Uh, apart from Rocky and Project Pat on, as features, I just thought right. I liked what Dev was doing on that song. It sounded cool. I mean, you mentioned like all the genres. I think that's kind of what shines about this album is that he, you know, tackles some, uh, you know, heavier th- themes mm-hmm. while jumping around all different kinds of sounds. Like there's a lot of even like smooth pop on this and soulful moments, too, you know. So I think there's a lot to like on here. And I think most people that would listen to this record will at least find something that they enjoyed, you know, given there's a lot here. Yeah, and and he ties it together seamlessly, like you said, and he does it with these interesting change-ups. Like you talk about Charcoal Baby, and I mean, it's a really good song. And then it hits that four-minute mark, and pretty much everything but the guitars, like, kind of fall out, and it's very spindly, like, guitars. Then all of a sudden, you hear this, like, flute solo, and then in come the synths and the horns, and it's it's a really epic ending to that song, and really beautiful. And the same thing with what you're talking about with... um, the the song with ASAP and uh, Project Pat, where it switches up there at the end, and I think that's really when I, I think it's Rocky probably jumps in and kind of gives his part. I also really liked um, the opening track Orlando. I thought it was like very like smooth and a great way to kind of lead you into this album that takes you in so many different directions. Um, and Nappy Wonder also stood out to me. Um, just I just really like that song. <laughs> Very like a lot of fun to listen to. I, were you familiar with Blood Orange prior to listening to this album? So it's interesting. I never really dived into his music. I listened to the other three records uh, leading up to Negro Swan over the weekend, and you know I always seen his name out there. I felt like he was at every festival. You yeah. know, he was always at at least one of them every year. It seemed, mm-hmm. um, but you know, good on him. He's a UK guy. Get that paper. Um, yeah, I never really dived, dived in and listening to the other three records, which, you know, four, four albums since 2011, pretty solid output. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like it was, this is kind of like the evolution of where he started with Coastal Grooves in 2011, you know, just yeah. continuing to get more diverse and mm-hmm. just more experimental as, as the albums came out. So uh, it was, it was definitely cool to catch up on, on this, this music. Yeah, he's he's a true artist, and it's also cool to see that he's been uh, doing production for so many big people. I mean, he kind of reminds me in a way of uh, Francis and the Lights. He's he's yes. definitely way more eclectic, and I think a little bit more talented, uh, like with uh, the instru- instrumentally than Francis, but just similar in terms of uh, coming up and and how they're making a name for themselves for now. Talking about people making a name for themselves, BTS, dude. Tell the people what BTS's most recent record, Love Yourself Answer, has done. Yeah, so BTS, uh, K-pop outfit, who have been buzzing online, buzzing in the in the East for a minute now, but I thought they really hit a new level and really got onto my radar earlier this year when uh, their record, what was it? Love, Love Yourself, Yourself Tear. Tear dropped at the end of May, and it uh, was the number one album on the Billboard 200 here in, here in the U.S., uh, 135,000 equivalent units, which was obviously their best debut in the States, but more importantly, the uh, first K-pop act to top the chart over here and just the overall top-charting Asian act in the U.S. So yeah. definitely historic and definitely you know a sign that they were uh, permeating over here. Then they followed that up uh, 
recently with this new this new music it makes sense you know keep putting this out and this new album which we're talking about it's more of a compilation of older songs from uh, last year plus some new ones but uh the new single idol broke the youtube record for most streams in a 24-hour period beating out uh, taylor swift's look what you made me do uh the new record 45 million streams in 24 hours which is absurd uh because obviously while bts is gigantic they're not selling over a million records first week like Taylor Swift's reputation did. Right. But the fact that the, the BTS army is such a, a dedicated fan fandom that they could, you know, get this record. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty crazy and just really, you know, waves the flag for anyone who wasn't paying attention that cow K pop is is it's a lot here. different now and uh, a really viable commercial force. So yeah. what did you think like listening to them for the first time? Well, it's interesting because I heard them performing Idol because I just ended up watching the last like 30 minutes of the uh, MTV Music Awards. So maybe it was the last hour or so, but they actually performed there, which I thought was really cool to see uh, a K-pop band you know, performing on MTV, another indication of their arrival. Um, and, you know, listen to the record. It's very I mean, it's an interest. It's an interesting mix of pretty standard pop with hip hop um, in it. And obviously that's highlighted by Nikki uh, remixing and being featured on idol um, mm-hmm. at the end of the album. It, I went, you know, just kind of reading about these guys and seeing like their rise. I think the thing I admire most about them is just how they've basically taken the road less traveled and that's actually elevated them to the next level of stardom in K-pop, which I wasn't as, as aware of how big this was. That it's been really dominating pop outside of pretty much like the UK and America. K-pop has been like the biggest force in, in pop for the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we all remember Psy uh, briefly. Uh, <laughs> right. Dominated with Gundam style. But yeah, BTS is interesting because they're, they're different than a lot of these K-pop acts that started popping up in the 90s because they were not just a total label creation right they actually seem like real artists who have like real interest in presenting their actual selves in the band that's kind of what's endearing to their fandom which is uh you know you got to respect that and and to your point about the music itself you know i did think while most of the production felt pretty samey like pretty homogenous you know Mm -hmm. like a handful of sessions you know that they had a vibe they were going for i didn't there was a a fair amount of variation of the types of songs they made even if they sounded different which was uh, pretty cool. I mean, you mentioned the hip hop influences. Uh, the frontman RM uh, that used to stand mm-hmm. for Rap Monster. He's um, actually pretty interesting because he's you know really he's fluent in English and he does most of like the lead lead in their interviews. And you know, he's obviously actually a pretty capable rapper. I like to even hear more of that. But you know, other than that, they they, they didn't like localize all their stuff. Like they didn't make an English language right. album. This is there's Korean stuff and they even tried Japanese albums before, but I think they're moving away from that. Yeah, it fell flat. Um so it's just interesting to see that because like Japanese video games and anime, that gets localized. That's the only way it really mm-hmm. gets consumed here in the West, you know? Yeah. Every anime gets dubbed. You know, and all the Japanese games get a uh subtitled a dub as well or or new voice acting, right? Mm-hmm. So the fact that in music you don't actually have to do that here. You, know, you don't have to record it in a new language. You can just put it out, and it's a uh, it's something. And you know, we talked about ADA Rising recently. Yep. Their uh, Head in the Clouds label album and uh, Rich Brian's uh, Amen earlier in the year, and you know they're another similar small outfit and uh, big hit entertainment. They're the uh, label behind BTS, and they were 
brand new. They're like, right. like a startup, so basically. They, they came up. So it's a, it's a whole very interesting scene. Um, you know, I think uh, Jay Park is another name I've been paying attention to. Attention to. He's like, I think he's 30, 31. Mm-hmm. But he's a Korean dude who signed to Rock Nation last year and dropped a rap EP this summer after being more of an R&B artist. Um, so just in between him and BTS, obviously, all the other K-pop acts that are popping and 88 Rising, I mean, it just seemed like Asian artistry is really, um, you know, having a moment. And I think it was continuing to make inroads here in the West, which is really cool. Yeah. And I think the uh, a really interesting piece that you kind of talked about, like the localization versus what, uh, you know, BTS is kind of known as like narrative because a lot of their albums kind of flow together or have like a story behind them. Um, it's kind of like how the artistry is shifting in different directions and both have successes. You know, um, someone like, uh, was it named Blackpink, I think, who yeah. almost broke the Taylor Swift streaming record with her release, Do Do, uh, Do Do, which <laughs> I love the name. Um, I, I think earlier this year. It's a pretty good song. <laughs> I, I haven't checked it out, but I, when I was real, I was like, damn, like it's it's amazing to see like how these two different kind of ways of making music are still pumping it out. And it feels like there's almost going to be like a battle between like what's like the right way. And uh, they, obviously they, they both can exist. We talk about that all the time, but it's just is really interesting to see if if it's going to be this formulaic way or if they're going to let the artistry kind of play out, which BTS has obviously done. I think they're here to stay, dude. Like. They are enormous right now. Oh, yeah. I, I want to see what these uh, first week numbers are for uh, Love Yourself Answer, just because they're continuing to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And each one of them is so famous. I mean, they're doing bigger numbers than One Direction ever did, you know, for things like the boy band, boy band angle. So uh, they're gigantic. So, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I just, I, I just want to see uh, where this goes because it's a seven-member group. You know, how long will they stay together? But, right. Yeah, so successful. That that was the thing I was thinking is someone like RM who is fluent in Korean and English. I mean, he has the potential to be just an enormous star, like Harry Styles on like steroids almost. Sure. So, uh, any any songs other than Idol that you liked from the album? Uh, yeah, I thought her was pretty cool. Uh, like I'm fine, Euphoria. Yeah, Euphoria stood out to me. And again, like neither mean or we don't understand Korean, obviously. But I feel like these this is well-made pop music that you can still listen to and jam out to and uh you know i don't know follow along i guess yeah um because they do they do mix in some english here and there but mm-hmm. uh yeah kind of like higher brothers i guess from idiot rising it's like i don't need to totally understand right. everything to get the vibe yeah it, it was perfect music um when i was doing my second listen today to be sitting down at work and have it in the background just like a mood booster and something that kept me uh kind of going and and tuning in and out throughout the day so definitely check that out and uh, give us your feedback leave a comment um if you like bts or if you uh for some reason do not like them we want to hear from you and, and engage in this discussion something i'm interested to see if you liked because i wasn't a huge fan of it pepillon uh remake of the 1973 classic seat with steve mcqueen and dustin hoffman uh this one stars charlie hunnam as pepillon and rami malik as dega um you know, we were like we start off with Mr. Robot. I think Rami is such a like a, 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 has been on such a heater recently. Like everything he does seems to be awesome. And we're going to be talking probably about Bohemian Rhapsody is something we're looking forward to seeing in one way or the other uh, in the, this fall in a second. I left this movie pretty disappointed. 
Um, and, and maybe my expectations were too high to begin with, but uh, I was really expecting to come out loving this movie and I found it just okay. Yeah, I agree. I thought it was pretty inert as a film. It was quite long, yet mm-hmm. it didn't feel like it achieved what it was trying to do. Right. Which I think ultimately the relationship between Papillon and, and Dega didn't really land for me. Mm-mm. And then you combine that with the total lack of interesting direction. The original from 1973 was shot by, or was, was directed by Franklin Sh- uh, uh, Schaffler. He's the guy who made Planet of the Apes and Patton movies with <laughs> fucking memorable ass shots. Yep. There's not a memorable shot in this new movie, New Papillon no. remake, which is really disappointing because while they, obviously they didn't make the movie in French Guiana, they still shot it on location. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just was expecting it to look, look better than it did and really look special. And yeah, it just, it just kind of was by the numbers, unfortunately. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you talk about the relationship between them. Um, I mean, obviously, it's it's a beneficial relationship in terms of Dega gets the protection he needs and Papillon gets the funding to continue to try to break out of jail. But at no point did I ever feel like there was a switch to like brotherhood that I think you're supposed to feel. Not in chance. It just felt kind of like I was just like, damn, dude, just get off this fucking island, please. Like, I just wanted him to get off so bad. Um, yeah, but- and I think the, his refusal to give up Dega's name and his inter- intervening when Dega was getting beaten, which also got him, you know, in the solitary. I was like, I just, I don't understand your, your motivation. Just didn't, right. I just didn't think it was earned. Mm-hmm. And that's unfortunate because I thought Hunnam was actually pretty good in this. I mean, I think he's better yeah. in Lost City of Z. But Hunnam does a lot of a lot of good here because he, he has a lot of solitary scenes. I think the, the stuff when he's in solitary uh, alone acting mm-hmm. is pretty good. Yep. But Rami Malek, a guy we both like uh, and can be very electric, as we know, I just thought Dago was pretty one note. You know, he yep. didn't he never demonstrated his value. You know, oh, he has some money up his ass. What do you do? Like he just, I don't know. You thought he would have been more cunning or just smarter, but no, he mm-hmm. just seemed like. He was constantly in the way and holding uh, Papillon back. So I just, the relationship just didn't seem to work. And I thought Michael Knorr's direction uh, did not help the movie at all. I think this was made by a uh, more well-known filmmaker who just had better bona fides. I think yeah. he probably could have, you know, built it up. Because at the end of the day, uh, I think there's entertaining moments in it. And mm-hmm. you know, the story itself is, is pretty cool. So there was something good in here, which reminds you, oh, wait, it's because it's a remake. So right. there was something good already. Also, to kind of uh, harking back to your point about the um, like the memorable shots, the one I think I remember the most is them on the boat. I think I remember because I was like, "Oh, this looks a lot like Life of Pi." Like, it, uh, and yeah, that's the sure. thing is, it wasn't. It was just kind of like it felt like they they had so much potential there, and you know, you, you, Rami Malek, like you said, very one note. Charlie Hunnam, I, I, every time I see him, he's just Jax Teller. But except for Lost City of Z, that was a little different for me. I think a, a part of that, this is too, is this is a movie about Frenchmen getting sent to a French penal colony in right. the early 20th century. And they're all speaking in their English accents. There's no effort to make it feel authentic, really. Yeah. Um, I also thought the whole beginning part where we see uh, Pabillon get uh, ar- framed and arrested was totally mm-hmm. unnecessary. We should just start the movie with him uh, in line going to the colony, you know, I yep. don't like so some uh, a missed opportunity for sure because this is a movie that could have been a cool remake, you know, it's I haven't actually seen the original one, something I want to see, 
uh, given the lineage. I mean, it was written, uh, co-written by Dalton Trumbo too. Like there's, there's a lot of, a lot of talent in that one, but this sounded like, you know, it should have been successful on paper, but just needed, I think, better people behind it. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Um, apparently, I was looking up Michael Noor's uh, experience and his 2014 film, uh, Northwest. It, I mean, it's actually Nordvest, but it's Slavic, I believe, is pretty well reviewed on Rotten Tomatoes. I checked it out. It's 10 reviews. It has 90. So definitely needed somebody with more experience at the helm. But you know, it, it's a watchable, it's a watchable movie, yeah. just not one. It's not bad. I don't think it's bad, but just disappointing. Yeah. Why don't we jump into some things we're excited for this fall? We've been wanting to, to kind of do this and we, we had to put some things on the back burner so we could we could get to this because it's just nonstop. Um, but there's a lot of really exciting projects coming out in TV, film. And why don't we start with movies? What, what are you looking forward to this fall? Yeah. So we're actually talking about this at a pretty good time because the Venice Film Festival currently underway right now and then starting on the 6th september the toronto international film festival will kick off as well and those two are the last two big film festivals of the year as we know and really kick off the fall uh season most oscar uh bait movies movies intended to get garner awards usually want to premiere there mm-hmm. uh so some movies don't even have their, their release dates yet we'll get them once they premiere there but right. you know with that being said i think the whole slate's pretty stacked there's a lot of movies i'm excited for both big and small and that's you know leading into i think this has been a strong year for movies uh, mm-hmm. whether you look at uh the big filmmakers we've already seen movies from we've seen what we've seen coogler spike lee spielberg um wes anderson uh we've seen a lot of a lot of people then we, who are we waiting for alfonso Cuaron, steve mcqueen damien chanel barry jenkins the coen brothers coming. uh Adam McKay, it's yep. it's pretty stacked. So I'm uh, very excited for the fall movie season. Do you have anything that you're like really looking forward to? I have like two two different bubbles of things I'm looking forward to. I'll start with the ones that I'm looking forward to for the reason of these could be great or they could flop, and I feel like, like there's no in between. Sure. Those two are Bohemian Rhapsody and Aquaman. Yep. Those two films, I think, are, are on the cusp of either being really really big or people kind of leave and be like damn like what a missed opportunity aquaman in particular is, is interesting because uh we saw some of jason momoa as, as aquaman in justice justice league and uh, i think people liked his take but mm-hmm. we only saw very small parts of it and this is gonna i mean underwater movies are not easy to make so if this is another flop for dc Man, I don't know. It, it could be something that really sets them back. Now, obviously, they had Wonder Woman last year, but if you only have basically Superman and Wonder Woman to bank off of, uh, I don't know. It, right. it wouldn't be good. Now, Bohemian Rhapsody is a little different. There's been so many problems with the production that uh, I'm just interested to see if they can kind of pull things together or if this is going to be like a solo type situation where sure. they just do the best of what they got and it'll be enjoyable because it's Queen and it's Rami Malik playing uh, Freddie Mercury. But it could be a huge miss or, or just really disappointing. So, well, what, any thoughts around those movies or anything else? You know, I, I agree with you. I think Aquaman, I think the, the trailer reiterates the tone. He's uh, lighter, something that DC sorely needed, more or less. So, they understand the strengths of Wonder Woman, I would say, broadly. Mm-hmm. So, we'll just see you know, how the movie uh, does because I think the, the CGI third act that you can see in the trailer looks fucking really crazy. So just what is the rest of the movie? Because there's a lot of talent in that film. 
yeah. and they got multiple villains in there. So I, I think it ha- has good potential. But you know, I I think DC would really like it to be a solid, you know, eight. You know, mm-hmm. um, and I agree. I agree with you on Bohemian Rhapsody as well. There's just a lot we don't know about yeah. how the film kit turned out. Uh, similar vein. Uh, what about on October 5th of uh, Venom? We've talked about Venom before. Oh. We've seen some more trailers yeah. since we talked about it. Um, I think it's a similar boat where it could surprise a lot of people or it could be pretty bad. You know, I, I, again, I'm leaning pretty bad right now. Yeah, I I want it to be good. At the other hand, though, it's like, are any of us actually rooting for the Sony <laughs> Spider-Man universe? Right. Separate from the MCU that's still tangentially connected to the MCU due to Tom Holland. Mm-hmm. Do any of us really care about that? <laughs> this is the, really the first re, you know, re, re, reboot of that, right? So, yeah. I don't know how, how, how invested I am in it, but, you know, it's coming. I, I thought the CGI Venom actually looks good, but then I hear, uh, Tom Hardy open his mouth and deliver lines, and it's just awful. Like, he's doing, I don't, I don't really even know what the accent is. And, um, he continues he, to make the most absurd, ridiculous choices, which is really frustrating given the talent he has. And the hardest thing about Venom should always be getting the CGI and Venom as a character right. But if you can't even get the human part of it right, then yeah, it's rock. like, <laughs> what are you doing? Like, I don't know. Um, so I, I did want to shout out a couple movies I'm really excited for. I have five of them, and we can kind of jump off whichever one. So I have First Man, Widows, Creed, A Star is Born, and Beautiful Boy. Those are my five that I'm most looking forward to this fall. Um, any of those that you're also looking forward to that you want to definitely dive into? Oh, for sure. I mean, First Man got rave reviews opening up. Uh, People are saying it's a step up for Damien Chazelle, and this is the (laughs) dude who already made Whiplash and La La Land, so that's really ridiculous. The fact that he's, you know, the next Spielberg in American filmmaking. Um, Excited as fuck for that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Beautiful Boy. That trailer, only at the one trailer right now, but Chalamet looks like he's the best actor frontrunner for this. Yeah. Award yeah. season is going to be re- renamed Chalamet season here. Chalamet so season is coming. I'm so stoked. <laughs> um, that looks great. Uh, Widows, Steve McQueen. He hasn't put out a movie since uh, 12 Years a Slave, and the cast is absolutely absurd. Stacked. Perhaps the strongest cast of the year. Um, so the combination of those two should sell everyone. Right. Uh, then Creed too. I mean... I think Creed is the second best Rocky movie. Mm-hmm. Ryan Coogler is really good. This is not Creed Two is not from Ryan Coogler, but they have all the other parts coming back. And Drago's son sounds yes. like a perfect, you know, way to make this movie. So, Young Drago, hell yeah! Dog. No, I mean it's it's gonna be and A Star Is Born is the one we didn't talk about there, but uh, I think that's one that is kind of on the bubble. But everything I've heard about it is that gonna be pretty awesome yeah we already talked about one remake today this is what the third remake of a star is born right all of which have talented uh uh co-leads uh before so every time i hear i've seen the trailer a million times thanks to movie pass and when gaga starts singing dog every time gaga sings uh the i think it's the shallow is what everyone's calling it yeah uh we still don't have the full version of that song that song sounds awesome so i I get chills every time man yeah i'm excited for that for sure. Um, a little sooner, actually, next weekend. I'm looking forward to The Predator from Shane Black. Ah, yeah. Uh, I like Shane Black a lot. He makes really unique films. And even a movie like Iron Man 3, which um, some people don't like, I um, he did different things with Iron Man. 
So mm-hmm. I think him doing different things with Predator is really exciting because Predator is a franchise that uh, has a really good first movie and a pretty solid sequel, and, and, that, and that's really it. So anything you can do to you know, re-jumpstart that IP, I'm down with. So I'm looking forward to that for sure. We should probably move on to TV and music here and not, not go too too far into movies, but Mowgli is coming out October 19th, and this is going to be the no, second Jungle Book. No, it's not, though. It got oh, pushed back got pushed already. Back? Yes. Oh, uh, and that's despite the fact that this movie came, was shot in, what, 2012, 13? So, like, yeah, I not think WB is selling it to Netflix, so that movie is... Speaking of Bohemian Rhapsody, that movie, we have no idea what the fuck's going on with Mowgli. Yeah, it's not coming out this year. All right. So slash that from the record. Something that we'll be talking about when it finally gets to Netflix. Oh, that's not good. Um, all right. Well, why don't we jump into some some TV then? I mean, is there any TV shows that will be coming out that you're super stoked for or that you're at least intrigued by? Well, we'll be talking about The Deuce season yep. two premiere next week. Uh, David Simon, that was a show we talked about at great length. Uh, the first season last year mm-hmm. uh, on HBO, so really excited to see that as they you know they, they switch time periods a bit. Still got Franco and Jillian Hall in there, Dominique Fish back, great cast, uh, and of course the combination of Simon and George Pelicanos is uh, pretty damn dynamite. So we'll be talking about that a lot, obviously. But I'm also looking forward to uh, some newer shows. Twenty um, Third Maniac on Netflix, mm-hmm. uh, the the reunion of Jonah Hill and Emma Stone, yeah, Carrie Fukunawa. Sounds dope. It's like a psychological show. Looks really cool. And then on on the twelfth, uh, the Romanoffs on Amazon from Matthew Weiner, the his follow up to Mad Men. Uh, yeah, and Amazon's actually airing that once a week, which I think is a great idea to, uh, you know, keep the content mill going. So those are my uh, my top the top choices. But I'm also looking forward to Homecoming on in November from Julia Roberts on Amazon as well. So I uh, wanted to ask, did you see the, this movie Kidding, or this not this movie, this TV show Kidding with Jim Carrey that's going to be premiering next week? Right, Looks yeah, Jim, Jim really, Carrey comeback, yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's going to be his first time on TV in what, like a couple decades? I can't even think of what kind of left Hollywood in general over this decade. And he's, he's playing this like Mr. Rogers type character who gets his, his personal life rocked by... Um, uh, something that happens i'm guessing some sort of loss and then how he's dealing with that and it's it's on showtime so i'm gonna have to figure out how i'm gonna watch it but i'm really interested to see if uh if he can pull that off and and what that return looks like um you know uh, american vandal season two is coming back which was a show i think we mentioned tangentially in past episodes but um never really went too deep into and i really enjoyed that first season uh, you know it was just some of the funniest like yeah, we talk about the the dick to dick jerk off in Silicon, uh, Valley. Silicon Valley, and the, that w- this is like the funniest dick humor since that, in my opinion. It was just <laughs> it was just dumb humor that you could enjoy. Um, uh, the Good Place coming back later on uh, in September, um, which is going to be just phenomenal. I'm all in on that show. Are you going to watch the last season of Big Bang Theory, Dave? <laughs> no. Are you going to watch the last season of House of Cards, Sans Kevin Spacey? Nah, dog. I haven't watched that in like yeah. three three seasons. Um, I am excited for season two of Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, though. No, yeah. no release date yet, but it, it'll be up. That shows the last year. Very excited. Um, yeah, I mean, just kind of like scrolling through the other the other shows I had here. There's nothing that really jumps off the page too much. Um, Looking I mean, forward to Little Drummer Girl. 
uh, okay. sometime in November. That, Tell uh, me about that one. Yeah, that's uh, I believe it's on FX, and that is a I want to say it's a John Le Carre adaptation. Let me, let me fact check that, but you know FX is in an interesting spot right now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, uh, man. The High Castle season three is coming back. I think we talked about how we're out, we're on, out on that. <laughs> yeah, Little Drummer Girl is a Le Carre novel, so mm-hmm. a show about that. Um, we remembered we recently got a Night Manager miniseries, which was really cool. And this one has a Skarsgård, Michael Shannon, and Florence Pugh, and Charles Dance. So I think that should be pretty great. Also, I wanted to grab your thoughts on this because this is something we've reviewed in the past. Andrew Lincoln is leaving Walking Dead. Where, where are you at with that show right now? Are you still oh, I, into it? No, I've been out on Walking Dead. Uh, the Walking Dead a few seasons ago made it pretty darn clear that it wasn't actually interested in plot. It was just interested in... Uh, existing and continuing mm-hmm. to uh you know go through the motions yeah and some people yeah. like that no, no no shame in that but it uh lost its prestige uh merits some time ago and i do think that's interesting that the show will you know go on without rick grimes the protagonist the lead and you know, andrew lincoln he got a uh, quite the bag from this show for a long time so <laughs> get that bag know, I think he's, he's he's confident in his ability that he can walk away now. So I'm interested. I'm just interested to see how the show uh, goes on from that because I did some. I I do read about it from time to time, and I actually was hearing that Fear the Walking Dead spinoff actually really came into its own recently, and it's probably a better show because wow. it has different uh, intentions. Hmm. So AMC, you know, the Walking Dead franchise is it's bread and butter post uh, Better Call Saul and. Uh, madmen so it's interesting to see how this will pan out one more show i wanted to highlight talking about seeing how it's going to move on without its main character the connors which you know roseanne came back earlier was it this year it's crazy and it dominated the ratings got a shout out from our president um and then all the political stuff happened and now roseanne will not be part of it uh you know it's been alluded that she's going to be killed off and it's going to focus on the other characters. I'm interested to see how that show does, if it still is the rating starling or if losing, you know, its title name character really affects it. So uh, definitely a lot of interesting TV shows to be looking at, following, uh, you know, buying all the, the subscriptions or stealing them from your friends to watch all the different services. So to check those out. Now, music is interesting because I, I think we know a couple albums are coming up, but there's also a lot that are expected to come out that don't have release dates yet. What exactly. are you looking forward to? Yeah. Of, of things that are announced, I'm obviously looking forward to the new Brockhampton album. Uh, third name. Yeah. Now it's called iridescence coming out in September, uh, recorded in London, they say. So it's on the horizon. So I'm very excited for that. So pumped for that dog. Yeah. I can't wait. Other than that, um, JID and No Name supposed to be dropping in uh, September sometime. And Logic actually recently announced he's dropping Young Sinatra 4, his uh, follow-up to his very successful cult mixtape uh, series, Young Sinatra, that really brought him his first fans. Hmm. And that was really when he was really just about being a you know your rapper's favorite rapper and, and rapping over fucking Biggie Beats and shit. So I'm yep. excited to see Logic getting back to what he does best uh, on the 28th. So that's uh, pretty exciting. But what are you looking forward to? Well, some some recent ones that are coming out or that will be coming out soon. Um, Waxahachie 
you know, yep. following up their, their album from, I think it was last year was really, really well done. And uh, they're just a, a great indie artist to be following a lot of really, really good um, female indie artists right now. Um, so they're, they're coming out soon. Something that doesn't have a date yet, but I, I mean, when this comes out, I'm expecting it to be my album of the year. Uh, Mitsubishi Macchiato, which right. from Vampire Weekend can't it comes wait. out. It, I, I think it will. They, they started okay. touring. They're playing shows. They're they're going to be releasing the music soon. Release the tapes. Um, yeah, I don't know. Jungle's album. I'm kind of interested in in a couple weeks. How about a uh, Twenty One Pilots on October fifth? I was just about Trench. to say. Talking, you know, speaking of things that could either go really badly or really poorly. Their recent singles haven't really done it for me, but I've seen a lot of people who are kind of out on them saying, you know, this sounds kind of like a return to the 21 Pilots from Vessel. Like I might, I'm, they, they might be able to get down with this. So we might see a 21 Pilots resurgence with this album. Really interested with that. Alt-J I'm interested to see because I their last album I really didn't like and they're dropping. And it's a remix album. Is that what it is? Yeah. Isn't like it's a uh, remix of an album you like, I think. Yeah. Uh, well, then I'm not excited for that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, other than that, there's nothing that, I mean, is there going to be a Gambino album? I don't know. I don't uh, think so. Actually, friend of the pod, Drill Harris, was talking about it today. I think he released This Is America, which I think is a one-off single. Mm-hmm. And in the Summertime Pack, those two songs sound very evergreen. He just kind of threw them out there. And then we remember, he hasn't toured since 2014. So he didn't actually tour Awaken My Love. So I think this is the Awaken My Love plus This Is America tour. Hmm. Interesting. I, I don't think an album is close. Although, on the other hand, he did sign that uh, big deal earlier in the year. So, he probably does have some music obligations soon. But, you know, I, I don't think it's close. Something that could be close to is Disclosure. They released uh, a bunch of songs recently. Uh, Erickel came out several years ago. So, they're, they're due. Um, Anderson Pack thought something was coming given the time frame and Bubblin's already out. So, that I could see that. Little Dicky, another person who, you know, after Freaky Friday's big success, I figured he had an album coming, and I think he still does. But it's been some time. He's going on tour too, so you'd think it's come. Um, yeah, then everything else is just pretty hypothetical. Chance the Rapper, maybe uh, Cool Boy Q, uh, sometime, you know, James yeah. Blake, maybe, uh, stuff like that. Yeah, no, I think I think the ones like you just named, uh, Disclosure, Anderson Pack, Vampire Weekend, the ones that I'm most excited for but they're not even on the schedule yet so hopefully we get those music's kind of up in the air but a lot of uh we'll be talking about a lot of different people and that might give us a chance to maybe see some new people break out end of the year um so always stay tuned that's it for us this week uh what do we got on the docket next week dave Uh, yeah we'll talk about that do season two Mm -hmm. premiere for sure uh maybe we'll talk about jack ryan don't know Ooh. uh some films that we're looking forward to. Operation Finale with Oscar Isaac. And I'm going to check out Searching, the John Cho Sundance film. It's getting good reviews. Maybe we'll talk about one of those. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's a heck by the time you're listening to this, there could be an album already announced. So there'll be something. A lot to, a lot to get to all the time. If you want to stay up to date, so hit that subscribe button on YouTube, soundcloud.com slash nostalgiapod. Uh, uh, and go to Twitter. Give us a follow. Um, and yeah, help us out. Give us give us feedback. Let us know what you want to hear. Let us know your thoughts. Uh, we we appreciate all the comments left on on YouTube, the positive and the not so positive. So keep leaving them. All right, have a good week. Hey.